Our scripture reading today is John 14, 32 through 42. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that, if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. This is the word of the Lord. It is absolutely true and given to us in love. Well, good morning. For every one of us, there are defining moments where you experience something and you have to decide whether to go in one direction or another. And these decisions change and impact your life, but they also impact the lives of those around you. In the Sandlot, it's when Benny the Jet decides to jump the fence to do battle with the beast to get his baseball back. In the Matrix, it's when Neo decides to take the red pill so that he might see the world as it really is over the blue pill, which would have him allowed him to stay in contented ignorance. In Wicked, it's when Alphaba decides to, de- to, to defy gravity and embrace her magical powers. And this morning, we come to a defining moment. And God's great rescue plan. Jesus, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane with his three closest disciples, Peter, James, and John. And he is faced with a decision to drink from the cup of wrath or to let it pass. His decision forever changed the course of history. And so as we look at our passage this morning, I want us to focus on two things. And the first is, Jesus loses his relationship with God. And then secondly, Jesus ensures our relationship with God. Let me pray for us. Holy Spirit, we are grateful this morning for this opportunity and privilege to come and gather and worship. Lord, it is indeed a privilege that we can come freely before you. And Lord, as we come this morning, some of our hearts are deeply heavy. Some of us are really struggling with our marriages, with our children, with our work. Lord, would you meet us this morning? Others come this morning and their hearts are full of joy. And the thought about entering into this 
passage. There's resistance. Lord, Holy Spirit, would you move in us so that we might hear your word. Take away the distractions of our hearts. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. So the first thing that we look at this morning is that Jesus loses his relationship with God. So if you have your bulletins, I encourage you to open them or you can open your Bibles. And when we began the greatest story in the Garden of Eden, where Adam and Eve disobeyed God and were barred from returning, it's only fitting that towards the end of Jesus's ministry, he would return to a garden, serve as a mediator so that those who profess faith in him might be let in. Mark tells us in verse 32 that Jesus, Peter, James, and John went to a place called Gethsemane. Now, the Garden of Gethsemane was located at the foot of Mount Olives, and it was the place where olives were pressed into oil. And on this evening in this remote wooded place, Mark tells us that Jesus is being pressed with extreme suffering as he considers what is before him. In verse 32, Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And the Jesus storybook says, then Jesus walked ahead alone into the dark. He needed to talk to his heavenly father. Jesus, he wanted to find calm before the storm. But instead, he was hit with a hurricane of pain. In verses 33 through 35, he began to be greatly distressed and troubled. My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed. Have you ever suffered a loss that brought you to your knees? A loss that's so great that you don't feel like you can survive it. I was watching one of the ACC Network specials, and it happened to be about Tolly Craft. He is a Carolina uh, football player, and it was a kind of a documentary about his life. And one day he was riding in the elevator with Mac Brown's wife, and he collapsed. And it scared Sally Brown to death. She called 911. They rushed him to the hospital. And when he got to the hospital, they ran a battery of tests, and they discovered that he was diagnosed with an, an advanced form of lung cancer. They interviewed his mom, and she said that she rushed to the hospital. She didn't know the diagnosis. Before she went into his room, the doctors met her, and they told her the news that it was very likely that her son was going to die. She said in that moment, she fell on the floor and started wailing and screaming as if somebody had shot her. The news was so overbearing. Jesus was in so much pain and anguish 
that he thought he was going to die. He knew from all time what this rescue plan entailed. He knew that God had sent him into the world to be the substitutionary lamb that would take away all of our sins so that we might be reconciled to the Father and let back into the garden. Jesus knew that all the poison of sin was going to have to go into his own heart. He understood that he would bear all the the sickness of people's bodies in his own body. But his pain on that night, it was greater. Why? Because there was a far greater loss that Jesus knew was imminent. If a classmate moves away, that's painful. If your favorite neighbor moves away, that's hard. If a spouse of 50 years dies who defined your life, that's unbearable. But for Jesus, if it's your father whom you have been with for all eternity, your delight and confidence forever, no one, no one has ever lost more. And while in the garden, Jesus came face to face with his worst nightmare, losing fellowship with God. The Jesus storybook says Jesus knew what that meant. He was going to lose his father, and that, Jesus knew, would break his heart in two. Violent sobs shook Jesus' whole body. And in the moment of heartbreak, Mark tells us in verse 63, I mean 36, that Jesus called out to his papa, is there no other way to get your children back? Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. This was the hour, the moment, the great pivot point in the greatest story to drink from the cup of wrath and save mankind, yet lose fellowship with the Father, or let it pass and find another way. And at this critical juncture, the moment he won our salvation, hear Jesus' words in verse 36b. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Yet not what I will, Father, but what you will. J.I. Packer, in his book, Celebration of Discipline, says, Submission is often thought of in such negative terms in our culture today. But the act of willfully submitting to another is, in actuality, the greatest demonstration of love. The act of willfully submitting to another is, in actuality, the greatest demonstration of love. Of love. Jesus voluntarily, 
willingly let go of the rope, plummeting into hell, where not only will he take on the brokenness of our world, he will for the first time ever in his existence, he will lose consciousness of his father. He will lose fellowship with his papa. The Jesus storybook says, then in those moments, Jesus was quiet. And like a lamb, he said to his father, I trust you, Papa. Whatever you say, I will do. From time to time, I find myself in what I like to call existential funks. It's these experiences where I I really doubt God's love for me. And I even doubt some of the tenets of our faith. And I often, in those moments, I try to pull myself by my own bootstraps. Certainly talking to my counselor helps, but it still doesn't get me out of the funk. The only thing that I have found that moves me out of this existential place is to remember not just the cross, but the heartache that Jesus endured in the garden. And the extraordinary love that Jesus demonstrates in the fact that he chose to submit to his father and drink of the cup of wrath so that I could drink of the cup of life. No greater love than this, than a man lay down his life for his brother. And in Jesus' case, not only did he lay down his life for us, Not only did Jesus lay down his life for us, he gave up his relationship with God. What more could he have done for us? What more do we need to see and know to prove to us how much our heavenly father loves us? The great hymnist states, amazing love, how can it be? That thou, my God, shouldst die for me. Yet, so often, we are not awake to this reality. Or maybe you're just bored with it. This is certainly the case for Peter, James, and John. Look in verse 37. And Jesus came, and he found them sleeping. They were yawning, clueless, and disinterested in his enormous love. Jesus, he drinks from the cup of wrath, choosing to lose fellowship with his father. And the disciples not only failed to keep watch, they were sound asleep. And at this, you would think that Jesus would have been so angry that he might even have thought, I'm done with you and break fellowship with Peter, James, and John. But as we continue in our text this morning, what we see, and that's the second point, is that he ensures our relationship with God. As Jesus is having the worst night of his existence, he is making sure the disciples are okay. Look at verse 37. 
He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? And as we read this, you can hear the disappointment in Jesus' words. Then Jesus, he comes back a second time. Look at verse 40. And he again came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy, and they didn't know what to answer him. I think of this, you parents, when you go in to wake up your children, and sometimes they're in such deep, deep sleep that you can pick them up, you can carry them around the house, you can talk to them, they're kind of conscious, then you put them back into bed, and the next morning they have no memory of this. The disciples were in a deep, deep sleep, so much so that they, they didn't even know how to answer him. Yet, the grace of God Jesus comes to them a third time. And this time, expressing all-out exasperation. In verse 41, he came to them a third time and he said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed in the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. I used to think about this whole scene of Jesus coming back again and again and, and, and was wondering, you know, what, what was he wanting from the disciples? And I used to think what he was wanting was comfort because he was in so much pain. But as Ben and I were talking about this passage this week, we both agree the most responsible exegesis of this text isn't that Jesus was wanting comfort and that's why he continued to wake them up. Jesus is fighting for them. Look at verse 38. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus understood that this is the hour of crisis. This is the pivot in the road. This is when he is about to be betrayed, arrested, and later crucified. And Jesus understood this is when Peter, James, and John will be tempted to likely fall away and to abandon him. Peter will deny him three times out of fear. So Jesus is strengthening him beforehand by three times going to him and waking him up. And just as we see at the fish fry breakfast on the beach after Jesus' resurrection, Jesus restores Peter by asking him how many times? Three times. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? In Jesus' darkest hour, as he is about to drink from the cup of wrath, he cares for his disciples. He ensures their relationship with God by telling them to get up, stay awake, remain sober-minded, resist temptation, and most importantly, rely on the power of the Holy Spirit who will help you to obey God, and to finish the race. 
The question for us this morning, are we awake to the reality around us? Jesus says, wake up, stay alert, lest you fall into temptation. Jesus says he is not from our world, nor are we. Yet he is building his kingdom here and now. And he wants us to join him in that restoration work. And so God is saying to us this morning, wake up. Wake up. See the world around you through the eyes of Scripture. Don't let culture define who God is or who you are. Let God's word define who you are. Let the Holy Spirit that lives in you empower you so that you might stand firm when the time of temptation comes, which will be this minute, next hour, tomorrow, and after, and after. Jesus is saying to the disciples and he's saying to us, watch and pray that you might not enter into temptation. Walk in the Spirit Love as Christ loves. Speak truth as Christ speaks truth. Fight injustice. Love mercy. Preach the good news of the gospel to your friends and enemies. The time is now. All good movies, books, and plays, they have a pivotal moment where the character must choose to go one way or another. Art imitating real life. In the greatest story, Jesus reached the juncture in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he was faced with a choice to drink from the cup of God's wrath or to let it pass. But out of his love for the Father and his love for us, he drank from the cup of God's wrath. He didn't let it pass. And it came with a great cost. He was beaten. He was crucified on a cross. And what was the worst thing was he was separated from his father for the first time. For what? To gain a great prize. You are that prize. Hebrews says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. You're the reason why he was in the garden and was in such despair that he was bleeding. You're the reason why that he went to the cross and died. Do you know that reality? Are you bored with it? Are you asleep? Jesus is saying this morning, wake up. Lest you fall into temptation. Lest you fall away. Continue to persevere. Trust the Holy Spirit. And if you ever, ever, ever doubt, which we all are, God's love for us. If we ever doubt that his kingdom is, is on the move, all we need to do is go back to this passage and remember the garden in his agony 
in his willingness to say, not my will, but thy will be done. Are you willing to say that this morning? Not my will, God, but thy will be done. No matter what it costs me, no matter what I lose, it all pales in comparison to gaining everlasting life. To spend eternity with the lover of our soul, Jesus Christ. And so my hope as we leave here this morning is that we will rise up and we will fight for the minds and the hearts and the souls of those around us, those in our city and in our world, and that together we may be a gospel community for the flourishing of our city. Amen.